Welcome to another episode of Space Flicks, the podcast where we review a movie and decide whether it's worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in the far reaches of space. Yep. Do you ever think that he wishes that we could beam him like cheese and crackers instead? Uh, I think this is an educated person. And I he's think like, that I'm would be sick a- of movies. <laughs> He knows that information is the only thing we can beam out. I at want light speed. a Ritz cracker with peanut butter. Uh, maybe he wishes that we beamed out like text-based descriptions of food that would tantalize him, or mm-hmm. text-based anything. You know, we've chosen something that requires right. huge amounts of data to send. Right. Whereas we could have sent him the entire literary works of like we all could have of sent them. him every novel that got published <laughs> this year. But we don't bother with that. No. This bro's got to see the Irishman. Because tonight. not only is text does text require less data, but it can be really, really efficiently compressed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so we don't you, care about that. You could send an, a novel probably is less than a megabyte. Totally. In, in pure text. Yeah. And each of these movies is many gigabytes because we're doing... We're doing... High quality, baby. 4K. Yep. Um, so yeah, maybe he's annoyed by that. But you know what? He has no way of communicating that to us. Right. So... Jokes on him. Right, because our, we have an upload machine. We, we do, don't even know if this guy likes movies. We, we have an upload machine. <laughs> we do not have a download machine, right? He could like he could be beaming all sorts of messages back to us, like found Martians, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Discovered the meaning of, of life. Nobody's tuned found in. Found proof of God. And we're like, yeah, here's, here's, here's the best film from... Here's the seventh <laughs> best movie of this year, right? Yeah, so he might he might be annoyed. He, if if he's annoyed, what's really infuriating him is hearing this part of this conversation. Right, he's like, just get to the movies, guys. Um, all right, so I'm Dan. This is Adam. Hi. Uh, this week, this episode, we're going to be talking about Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. Knives Out. How did they sell it? A modern whodunit? Yeah, something my, like that. Yeah, it's a whodunit. Uh, tip, in sort of typical Agatha Christie fashion sort of like a murder happens in a place and then everybody's stuck in the place and we Mm -hmm. won't leave until we figure out who the murderer is uh the uh synopsis of the movie is a detective investigates the death of a patriarch of an eccentric combative family all right that's it that's right and what was that guy's name thromby harland thromby or something oh oh, the yes 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 um i believe uh it is played by christopher Plummer, and it's harlan thromby harlan Thrombi. I was almost exactly right. Correct. Which is impressive because it's been a few weeks since we saw this movie. Yeah. Uh, All right. Let's start off with uh, expectations and first impressions. You go first. What were your expectations of this movie? I wanted a funny thriller. Of course you wanted that. Did you expect a funny thriller? Yes. Okay. Because you have a lot of faith in Ryan Johnson. Yeah. I've never disliked a movie that he's made. The worst, okay. the, the, the worst experience I've had at a Ryan Johnson movie is The Brothers Bloom, mm-hmm. which I just found to be like too, there was too many switcheroos in that one. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I mean, but I still liked it and sort of thought it was original and inventive. Um, and every other Ryan Johnson movie I've actively liked. So it was, the ones I can name are Brick, mm-hmm. Brothers Bloom, Looper, Last Jedi, and this one. Yep. Has he done other ones? I think that's it. Okay, so he's really not the most prolific filmmaker because Brick was over a decade ago, right? I believe so. It feels it feels like that's five movies over a pretty long period of time. I mean, granted, one of them was Last Jedi, which was a Star Wars movie, which probably took a long time to develop and shoot and everything. But um, Yeah, I mean, Brick was 2005. Yeah, um, so 15 years almost. Um, yeah, I mean, beyond like the movies that we listed, the only other thing that I feel like I have a fondness for that it would not be one of those movies is his episodes of Breaking Bad that he mm-hmm. directed. He directed mm-hmm. Which th- I three very good episodes of Breaking Bad. Um, do, was there a slowdown after Brothers Bloom, I would bet? Because I think Brick, he was kind of a hot name. Shot out of a cannon. And then Brothers Bloom wasn't really a hit or anything. Right, it was. It probably was a flop. I don't actually know. Well, it yeah, I don't think it did tremendously well. I mean, it was still a three year break between Brick and Brothers Bloom. Brick was oh five, uh-huh. Bloom was oh eight, and uh-huh. then Looper was 12, 2012. Okay, so four more years. Yeah, so, so these were spaced out relatively right. evenly. Last Jedi is twenty seventeen. Yep. Right, so it's five years. Five years. Right. 
And so I just. So this is the fastest he's done a movie as far as we know. Yeah. Now maybe this is also like he's got more juice than he's ever had. Maybe. Also, I think I heard that Knives Out was something that he'd kind of had in his back pocket for a while. Right. Right. Um, So, okay. So you, but anyway, based on his past work, you like Ryan Johnson. You've never really been let down majorly. No. Yeah. Yeah. So you were expecting a, what did you say? A fun thriller? Fun, uh, yeah, a funny thriller. A funny thriller. And, uh, and do you feel like first impressions walking out of the theater? Did you, did you get what you came for? Yeah, and I was, it, in fact, it exceeded my expectations because I presumed that it was going to follow the format of we shall reveal the killer at the end mm-hmm. kind of thing. And without too many spoilers, like this movie- It subver- doesn't follow the it subverts pattern that. you were yeah. expecting. Yeah, I I think I probably am less of a Ryan Johnson fan than than many, but I don't dislike anything he's done. I think I I remember liking Brick. I think I might have actually liked Brothers Bloom a little more than you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um but and I liked Looper. I just I don't think I've loved any of his movies. Right. I might I mean re, I definitely remember Looper better than the other two. Well, and of course I remember Last Jedi, but that's because that was very recent. Right. And I liked that. Um, but I'm sort of, he's he's still, for me going into this movie, he was still sort of like a relatively unknown quantity. Like, hmm. I was like, I think it will definitely be competently made mm-hmm. from the movies. I, I remember liking those first two, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't remember much about them. Looper, I remember much more clearly but I did also didn't love that. Like I, I think right. I liked it a lot. Um, so, but and one thing that's clear from all the movies he's made is I, I do think that they all were well made. I think Last Jedi is an example of one where um, I'm certainly not in the you know group of people that feel like it ruined Star Wars or anything like that. But it did f- does feel to me like of all the Star Wars movies, one of the most like like you feel like it's a movie by that filmmaker. Yeah. You know, um, which is also something we've talked about with, or I don't know if we have talked about it, but we've talked about with the Marvel movies before, how they all sort of have this like sameness to them. But then right. like Iron Man three mm-hmm. just feels like a Shane black movie. Right. Um, and I think you could say this, like Thor Ragnarok feels, feels like a more like a movie, right? Yeah, yeah. So those directors have sort of like managed to sort of make their voice come through in this sort of otherwise giant machine. Right. Um, and I think with Star Wars with Ryan Johnson, that is not necessarily, was not necessarily a good thing for me. I mean, I did like the movie. Right. But anyway, I guess where I'm going with all that is it feels to me like he's he's got very strong like... Um, to get very strong opinions of what he wants to do. Yeah. And, uh, and so, but I might not like what he does. So I was kind of, this, this was, I was pretty open to this being anywhere from, I might hate this mm-hmm. to, uh, I might love it. But I think, I think I knew it was going to be, like I said, well-made. I think if I came in thinking I might hate it because he might do something that I just, really don't like what he's going for uh-huh. and he's going to like probably nail what he's going for. Right, right. But I might just like find it really just like unpleasant or something. Um, and I think what that thing would have been just from the marketing was like something a little uh, snooty. Okay. Uh, I can't quite explain it, but so like, like that the movie would be a little too pleased with itself. Oh, like look how clever I am. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that was kind of what I was nervous about going. Yeah. Um, coming out, I'm. I definitely was much more in the. Oh no, I really enjoyed it yeah. side of things, and I think part of it is that the movie wasn't too pleased with itself. Um, and but the other thing that we talked about a little bit going in that I was expecting, and I do feel like I was a little let down on, but the movie kind of made up for it. Was I was expecting a really like satisfying ensemble piece. Yeah. And and we talked about this after the movie that the the way the ensemble cast the the role the ensemble cast plays in the movie is not what I was expecting. Right. And I think it to the movie's credit, it took me by surprise in a really in a way that I really enjoyed. 
but I still came out. It's sort of like if you go to a restaurant and you're like really looking forward to this like steak dinner. Yeah. And then the restaurant, they're like, we have lobster. And you're like, but I was expecting steak, but okay. And then you eat it and you're like, this is a really good lobster dinner. And then you, and then you walk away from your meal and you're like, that was a really good lobster dinner. But I still, I was still kind of in the market for steak. I still sort of am feeling the like disappointment of like that it wasn't the steak I was expecting. Well, and we had a version of that conversation uh, when we saw Hustlers, right? How I wanted something different from that movie. (laughs) You wanted basically like the modern Goodfellas, right? I just, yeah, I wanted, I wanted it to get crazier and worse, and it just didn't do that. But and so, and as far as this movie goes, I think the marketing of the film very clearly sets you up to believe that this is about a family, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, and look at all these crazy flavors of person that we have in this family. And you're going to get sort of like, yeah. an even like, and even with the way sort of like the, the poster is laid out is like, they're all sort of evenly positioned alongside one another. Yeah. You think they're all going to be major characters, right. basically sort of unlike a star Wars poster, which sort of like fame, like sort of popularized this version of, Things which is like one big face mm-hmm. or big person mm-hmm. in the middle and like other smaller people around the outside. Right, right. It helps you understand like, oh, this is mostly a movie about Luke Skywalker and then yeah. there's like other people around. Yep. Right. This movie is very Villain even. looming in the back. Right. Yeah. This is very even. It's like this is the family that this movie is about. Right. right? Yep. And so I think the movie, to your point, used its marketing to make you think precisely what your expectation was. And I think very slyly the marketing is part of the misdirect of the movie. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Like it wants you to think that mm-hmm. because it's actually a different thing. And if it told you in the beginning who the, like who primarily the movie was about, mm-hmm. you wouldn't, it, it would be less surprising. Well, sure. Yeah. yeah when yeah. you watched the movie, it's like, uh, I think that one of the most extreme forms of this is when a movie doesn't even reveal a major actor who's in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, um, What's like seven? They didn't have Kevin Spacey in any of the marketing. Gotcha. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, or like to a lesser degree, uh, Interstellar. I think didn't have Matt Damon right in any of the marketing. Right. Um, so yeah, sometimes a movie will do that, and then you see, and then you see the actor that you didn't. It's like a big actor, and you're like, whoa! And you realize that that surprise. Like the marketing played mm-hmm. a role in delivering that level of surprise. Yeah. In this movie, it, it, it doesn't do something quite like that, but it it sets you up to expect one kind of thing, and then and then the uh, to, I think um, I'm with you that you're saying that the marketing kind of had a role to play in your experience of the movie. Yep. Basically. Yep. Um. Okay. So you you liked it. I liked it coming out. Um. But you were expecting to like it, and I was a little more. Unsure. Yeah. Um, let's see. Should we move anything else to say about first impressions or just move on? Well, I mean, so for example, like after we walked out of the movie Parasite, right? Mm-hmm. Like something that I was sort of surprised by, I, I, a conversation that we had was like, you know, prior to this movie, I would not have said that Bong Joon-ho was like one of my favorite directors, right? right? But now, like I am so excited for whatever he does next, right? Mm-hmm. That like, mm-hmm. it's pretty rare that a director, you know, five films into his career, right? Or, or whatever Bong Joon-ho was at that point, like um, sort of gives you, like gets you on board that right. late in their career. I feel like usually we get on board with directors sort of like after their first or second film. Right. Yeah, And so I feel like um, Ryan Johnson is... Uh, I'm sort of getting to that place with him mm. where it's like, all right, like, like I said before, it's like, I've liked everything you've done. I really liked the last, I really liked your first, third, fourth, and fifth movies, mm-hmm. right? Like, okay, you're like, and you can do things from sort of uh, sci-fi, you know, like twisted sci-fi thing like Looper to big Hollywood production like Jedi to Who Done It. Mm-hmm. to you know got to detective story and brick and it's like okay you could kind of do whatever you want and i'm pretty game which is sort of not um what i necessarily ex- how i expected to feel going in right i was sort of yeah that I, it would that it would sort of c- 
continue, it would push Ryan Johnson even higher on your list of like directors to kind of keep an eye on. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It's funny. Even though I did like it a lot, I feel like he's sort of still in that same place for sure. me where I, when I picture the next Ryan Johnson movie coming out for some reason in my head, I'll be like, I might not like this. But right. like, why would I think that I've liked everything he's done that I've seen so far? Like, you know, like for example, a director who I definitely have not seen all of his movies. And, uh, I feel like he only gives me evidence that I, should is mm-hmm. Noah Baumbach, uh-huh. right? It's sort of like he, you know, we haven't talked about Marriage Story yet, but it's like I really liked that movie a lot, and uh-huh. I was like, I should go back and visit all of his uh-huh. other stuff uh-huh. because, yeah. like, this is so good that it makes me realize that I've probably just been missing the boat, and I don't want to miss it anymore, right? Um, yeah, I think I haven't even seen a lot of it, most of his movies. Totally, like it's they're not big. Budget, they're like, like quiet. They're, they're those movies that did he do while we're young? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of them are those movies where you see the marketing and you're like, that looks like that's probably like a good you know movie for a for a quiet afternoon or something. Right. And it's just like the occasion never quite comes up to right. see the movie. Right. Um. Yeah, I, I know what you mean with him. But anyway, back to Ryan Johnson. Yeah. You know what I think it is? I think the reason I still am going to be unsure moving forward, and probably this is just how I'm always going to feel about him, is that 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 nervousness I have about the movie being too pleased with itself. Yeah. I think his movies sort of flirt with that territory. <clears throat> yeah. Like they they tend to be clever and sort of like, uh, you know, knowing and winking at you a right. little bit. And I don't like for movies to do that too much or or like pat themselves on the back too much. And and I feel like they never quite cross that line for me, but I see them getting close enough to it that I'm sort of like one of these days he's going to make a movie that I'm just going to be like, ugh. Can you, you know? give me an example of a movie that does make you feel that way? <clears throat> You're like, this person is way too, this director, this writer is way too pleased with themselves. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, no, I can't give you an example off the top of my head, so I won't. I won't waste uh, precious seconds trying to think of one. But if one pops into my head, I'll definitely share it later. Um, anyway, and also just just to be clear, like that's the sort of thing that when other people, it's it's so subjective and and yeah. to- totally about your own interpretation or like experience of a movie. Like people will say things like that about movies I love. Yeah. And then I'll be like, what are you talking about? The movie's not full of itself. You know, it's right. like, it's a movie. It doesn't have a right. personality. Right. But, um, so it's really just, it's more just like his movies have this feel to me, I guess that sort of evokes that, that sort of, you know, uh, impression. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean that that's intrinsically like the way his movies are. It's just the way they hit me. Yeah. Um, and I recognize that. So anyway, uh, but I will provide an example if I can think of one later. Okay. We should move on. I'm actually pretty anxious to get to like the spoilers stuff for yeah. this movie. Yeah. So, um, and also I didn't do any of my homework as far as box office. So let's zoom ahead to yes. themes and just cover it quickly and then get into spoiler stuff. Okay. So what was the theme of the movie? Uh, it, I mean, there's definitely like a class thing. Yep. Happening. Last stuff. Similar to Parasite. <clears throat> Similar to Parasite. I mean, only in the sense that that also touched on class stuff. Right. Um, <clears throat> this is less about... Uh, Parasite is in some ways like the the rich in Parasite kind of don't quite get that there is a class war mm-hmm. happening, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then there's this weird uh, battle between... Like so, there's this sort of secret war happening between like lower to upper class, and there's also a lower to lower class thing happening in Parasite. Mm-hmm. And this movie, I feel like everybody is acutely aware of the upper lower class distinction, right? And they're aware of it, but there's I think this movie is also very much about entitlement, right? yeah, um, and people who. People who are privileged thinking that it's sort of their right to have what they're privileged to. Right. Yes. Um, and it, that's, you know, and kind of asks the question, like, who really deserves all of these riches or, you know. Yeah. 
What's like the several of the characters in this movie sort of are the embodiment of the phrase uh, to the privileged equality feels like oppression. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like when you are just treated, you know, like in a fair way Mm -hmm. where like, you know, you, you win fair and square, you lose fair and square. Right. Right. They just cannot stand the idea of losing fair and square. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, I, and I think it sort of gives voice to how that happens politi- on the political spectrum, like both on the left and on the right, mm-hmm. um, and how really the, the thing that unites all of them is their sense of class superiority, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one of the major themes that certainly I picked up on. What else you got? Um, yeah, no, I think that's the main one that, that comes through. And, and, and I think it, it definitely touches on like the politics of today, but I think it's really only to, as as a lens through which to view that same theme. Right. Like, um, to your point about left and right, there's there's definitely some discussions. There's some dialogue in the movie where characters on different sides of the political divide, mainly with respect to immigration, I think. Sure. Um, I don't remember if it touches on a lot of other topics, but at least on immigration, there's sort of some some discussion where you can see, okay, these members of the family sort of fall on this side. These members fall on this other side, but it's like when, what's the expression when the chips are down? I don't know the expression. Okay. (laughs) When like, when, when there are, when there are actual material, uh, implications for the characters in this family of certain plot developments. Right. It's sort of like these political, uh, you know, alliances right. sort of fade away and yep. and reveal the true nature of all of these individuals, right. which is they are all selfish, yep. right? And I they're mean, all entitled. I mean, and like the title of the movie is Knives Out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's sort of like... In, the knives come out. Right. In these high-pressure situations, your sort of ideology or what you believe to be your ideology sort of falls away and true character is revealed. And for all, this family, like, their go-to motion is knives mm-hmm. out, yep. right? Yep. Um, so I thought that that was pretty consistently conveyed in all of the characters in the Thromby family. Yeah. All right. Can we just go ahead and give a spoiler warning and let's, start talking about stuff, giving away stuff? Yeah. So, spoiler our, so warning. for our astronaut, mm-hmm. if you've not yet yet watched Knives Out, because it's still downloading, Yeah. On the HAL 9000 Turn off this recording that also took a long time to download. Mm -hmm. Because you definitely downloaded (laughs) this first. This this totally holds up, this train of thought. Okay, yeah, spoiler warning. Okay, begin. So um, the thing, you know, to kind of be more concrete about something we were talking about earlier, the thing that I was expecting of this big ensemble picture where all these characters are major characters turns out to be, uh, you know, it, it, it turns it turns out the movie's not going to be that pretty early when you discover that it's you know the main character is going to be the helper the nurse mm-hmm. and uh, we talked about after the movie coming out that like all those other characters really like don't play a major part at all yeah they're like garnish yeah, yeah. like Jamie Lee Curtis's character Tony Collette's character um, what's the guy's name uh, Michael Shannon. Don Michael Johnson. Shannon, yeah, Don Johnson is the guy I was yeah. thinking of. Um, they're all they all like continue to be in the movie and they say stuff, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, they're just sort of not really material to the plot. The, the main character who who is still significant is Chris Evans's character. Yep. Um, it, but it's basically like him, Anna de Armas, mm-hmm. Daniel Craig. Those are the main characters. Yeah. Right. I think the other characters. And Chris Plummer, you know, from the. Right. The other characters are there to sort of fulfill in some ways what's like a perfunctory role, Mm -hmm. which is there need to be suspects who have a motive to kill the patriarch. Right. Um, But beyond that, they don't. It's sort of like the movie spends the first act basically like laying out, you know, uh, uh, Don Johnson has, has been having an affair and is being basically blackmailed, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Michael Shannon's character uh, is having his, basically his, has been fired mm-hmm. from his job, right? And you sort of just go down the line 
and everybody's got some reason. Um, and so it's sort of like the movie sets all of that up. But then as far as like the clockwork mechanics of the film, none of them are crucial cogs in that yeah. machine. Yeah, no. I, th- I think it, it, it makes total sense that the movie didn't do this, but what I was, ex- because, because it would have just been predictable, but what I was expecting was the sort of standard, you know, pattern of like each, the, the detective, Daniel Craig, keeps kind of peeling away layers and discovering like, you know, it, it, like the sort of the sort of formula would be. Let's take just Tony Collette's character as an example. Like he learns that um, Christopher Plummer's character, that Harlan Thrombey, was mm-hmm. like paying for her niece's school, mm-hmm. and then and then he was like, she was double. She dipping. was embezzling, basically, right? Yeah, yeah, because he was writing checks to you know his some manager of his estate or whatever was also writing checks mm-hmm. to directly to her. And so he found that out and then he cut them off cold turkey. And so it's like, oh, so then that gives her motive. But then there'd be something that would sort of absolve her. And you'd, there would be some plot development that reveals like, oh, no, but she couldn't have been guilty because of X. And then there would have been some further plot development that like, oh, but maybe she was guilty after all. Right. Right. And it would sort of keep it would sort of keep rotating through the characters um, and making you think each one was guilty until right. some big reveal at the end. That's what I was expecting, and what right. you would think from a whodunit of just like keeps keeps your 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 perspe- your perception keeps shifting of like who you think is the guilty one. Yeah, right? there's this plate spinning exercise that you assume yeah. has to happen, yeah. where it's like you have to make me think that upwards of you know four, five, six people could be the killer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I and you somehow need to not disappoint me. Yeah, when yeah. it turns out that. It's one of them, which is right. maybe which is maybe an impossible task, right. but um, and so the movie subverts that very early, in the first third, I yeah. think, by just telling you, here's no, actually, yeah, actually, here's what actually happened. He wasn't murdered at all, right? But you know, his helper mixed up his medicines and, yep. and kind of accidentally killed him. But they had such a strong, warm relationship that he he chose to make it look like a suicide and helped her sort of divide scheme a way to, to make herself, you know, not a suspect in this whole thing. Um, and that was very clever. Mm -hmm. And I did like how the, I did like, I'll tell you what I liked about that was since that was revealed so early, yeah. Then your feeling in the audience is like, Oh, what, Further development. What is this movie about? Yeah, yeah like yeah. what things will continue to be revealed yeah. after this? Because this <laughs> yep. feels like the full explanation of everything, you know. Um, and then it's just a matter of like, will the detective figure it out or not? Right. Right. Which he does, well, and then some. Well, I think what's really interesting is that you know, be, even though we know who murdered Harlan, mm-hmm. or or nobody murdered murdered Harlan, mm-hmm, right? Right. <clears throat> He, uh, like, it's all tied up in a bow. And then Benoit Blanc, Daniel Craig's character, is like, but who hired me? Right, right, like, right, right. Like, this is, sure, I guess, <laughs> like, this kind of makes sense. But, like, but it doesn't because yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. know who hired me. And yep. still, so, therefore, this isn't done, yep. right? Uh, and that's sort of, like, the movie putting a very fine point on the question that we have as an audience, which is, like, what's left to figure out? Yep, yep. Right? No, <laughs> that, that that was great. And, of course, you know, I we can't do it justice, but the donut speech was right. a great uh, was a great speech. The donut with a that you think is plugged by a donut hole, only it, to realize that the donut hole has another hole, <laughs> and is in fact a small donut. Right. Um. Uh. Yeah, that was all great because it really was the sort of thing where you know the movie was very clever to sort of make you forget that that's even an unanswered question. Yeah. And then, but then when he brings it up, you're like, oh, right. Yeah. That is definitely still a missing piece because you think you know the whole story. This was an accidental thing, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then like, why would someone have hired this detective? Right. Right. And then the, the explanation ultimately involving, you know, Chris Evans actually having tried to kill him. Right. But his plan being thwarted by the fact that she, as a good nurse, sort of corrected his mix-up, right? Right. Um, I don't actually recall how uh, 
how Benoit Blanc put all that together, to be honest with you. Because the toxicology report said that there were no signs of, like, uh, Oh, that's right. He, he looked at the toxicology report. Right. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he comes barging into the room. Right. And he's mm-hmm. like, she is not going to, you know, confess to anything. Right. right. She is innocent. Right. Um, that's right. Yeah, and that's and that's right as she's about to relinquish yeah, her claim yeah, to yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, as far as the mystery goes, I do remember there was one thing that we were discussing after the movie. I think this movie does a really good job of everything, every development. If it make you know, most of it makes sense on its face. Right. Some of it doesn't make sense at first, but the movie kind of like explains how it does make sense. But one thing, um, I think the main thing that we were sort of discussing afterwards that we were like, I don't quite get this was what was Chris Evans's. Well, first of all, we were like, what was the, the helper's plan? She discovered the, the, um, toxicology report. Right. Right. And, and said, and was blackmailing, or not blackmailing, but she summoned him to this, you know. Laundromat. Laundromat. Decrepit, rundown building. And, and she was going to do what? Like, the, she, had, she had seen him mix up the medicines, yes. is what it was. And she didn't know how to read a toxicology report, right? Right. <clears throat> But she invited him there and was just like, I knew you were, you know, a killer. But like, why did she invite him there? What did she want to achieve? Because, of course, then he just basically kills her. I mean, he doesn't actually kill her. Uh, Or it turns out he does kill her, but not right away. Right. But, but yeah, we couldn't figure out what she was hoping to accomplish in that moment. Other than she was probably just dumb, you know? Yeah. Didn't think it through. She, I I think that that's... Uh, she just wanted to confront him and didn't think it through. In a, yes, and I think in a movie that, to your point, is generally pretty smart, mm-hmm. it's probably not good enough to just say, this character made a bad choice because they're unintelligent. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's like, it's okay because that's a character that the movie invests almost no time in right. telling you anything about her. So it's sort of like, I'm kind of okay with that. But then, but then... We were also like, what was he trying to accomplish by bringing, what's her name? What's, what's Ana de Armas' character's Marta. name? Marta. By bringing Marta back there, right? You in particular were sort of, because I said, uh, I think he just wanted her back there so that he could put, so that she would be at scene of the crime and any evidence that sort of like comes about as a result of her being there would point to her being you know, the murderer. Yeah. Like, like <clears throat> if there were any security footage or just, or just like if she left any footprints or fingerprints or whatever, like it would be helpful for her to have been there, you right. know, but that also seems a little uh, hand wavy. Right. And I think this is where like either it feels like one of two things are both possible and I'm probably fine with either of them. So the first is, there actually is a very valid reason from a character motivation perspective and sort of like criminal planning perspective that I'm just failing to comprehend. Yeah, that we just couldn't think of. Right? Very possible. Um, that seems very plausible because, you know, how many people put years of effort into thinking about this movie, sure. right? Uh, and then on the other hand, I think th- the movie's job ultimately is not to pull together like an airtight clockwork universe, right? Mm-hmm. The movie's job is to be entertaining and like I think in some cases where the plot becomes sticky and difficult to understand like how the how cause and effect are working in a particular situation I feel like the movie's like and now on to the next thing right yeah, like yeah. on to a speech from Daniel Craig to keep you amused right and in so, and like I really when I think back on the movie I am not going to think yeah you know I would have liked it more except the plot in a certain part, I didn't quite understand the motivations behind. No, no. I'm going to think about the donut speech. You know what I mean? Like I'm going sure. to think about the car chase, the car chase. I'm going to think about like 
other aspects of it that were really exciting and funny and memorable. And yeah, I will it's, it's, be it's, okay with the hand waving. It's not like it ruins the movie. I think it's just, it's more like it sticks out. Like, I, I personally would strongly prefer the former possibility you presented, that there is a good explanation, just neither of us thought of it. Right. Because, um, like, the thing you said as a second, as a second possibility, sure, it's not the movie's job to be a perfectly, you know, airtight drum, but at the same time, that's kind of part of what's so impressive about the movie. Right. You know, like, when a movie has so many things that, that fit together so well, then it, then it, I think it's fair to be a little bit bothered when there's this one thing that doesn't seem to fit so well. Right. Like, it'd be totally different if there were tons of things like that, and that's just clearly not what the movie was trying to be. But, but I also would, would personally argue that if things didn't fit together super well, then the movie wouldn't be as good. That's like, true. Like, part of what makes this movie so satisfying, I think, is that so much of it fits together well, so here, well. Like, me- the dialogue and stuff is all great. You know, the characters are good. Yeah. But if it was, if you imagine same characters and same like witty dialogue and mm-hmm. funny like monologues like with donuts and donut holes and stuff. Right. But the plot really didn't hold up. Yeah. I feel like we would both be talking about it in a very different way. That's true. Like That's we fair. wouldn't have nearly the same level of admiration for it. Right. That's so, one of the reasons, for example, like we reference this movie all the time, but a movie like The Prestige, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like. It is a very convoluted movie, but it does hang together if you poke on it, right? You're sort of like, oh, yeah, it makes sense that that character would do that thing at that time. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and so let me offer a hypothesis as to what precisely was happening in that particular scene because I just thought of it just now. Okay. Um, he emails uh, March's character the sort of meet me at this place at this time right. note, yep. but he changes an 8.30 to a 10.30, uh-huh. right? And so now he knows that there is evidence linking Marta to a likely crime scene, right? Meaning he knows he's going to go meet Fran, the nurse or the housekeeper. I think she's just a housekeeper, mm-hmm. right? Um, at eight 30. And he's like, I am going to kill Fran. Mm-hmm. Right. And I need to put somebody else at the scene of the crime, like authoritatively. Mm-hmm. Right. He's like, so not only will I email her like a 1030 uh, note, right? That like says be there at 1030. His plan was I'm going to drive her there myself mm-hmm. and be the witness mm-hmm. that she went in there. And when she came out, Fran was dead. Right. 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 And so like that allows him to pin a murder on her. Right. Because th- at that point, it's his word against hers. And. He can he can basically say like there's an email saying mm-hmm. meet me at ten thirty right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. yeah okay so I mean that was basically what we had talked about yeah. except you're you're adding that yeah there's like the physical evidence of the email and the fact that he could be a witness for it right right yeah yeah I think good I enough. think that makes sense I'm good enough with it yeah no I think that's good I still I still think there's the missing I mean there is the missing. Uh, there's the open question of what was the what was Fran's plan? Yeah, yeah. I don't have a I don't have a good idea about that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Fran didn't have a plan. No plan, Fran. No plan. Because he starts ta- he starts walking towards her, and she's like, "Don't come near me. I'm warning you." Right. Yeah. And, and like, and you're like, "What? What are you gonna do? What? Yeah." She what she should say is like, uh, "In fact, she does say it." What? She's like. Um, doesn't she, she tells Marta where the report is. What does she say? She's like, um, Hugh did this, right? Uh-huh. And then doesn't she say something like top drawer or like, she basically says like the toxicology reports where the weed is. Does she say that? Yes. Hmm. Right. I guess. Because they find it. <laughs> that's where it is. That's where they put she. So I think that's what she's telling Ransom, right? Is like I, she would have said. Or she didn't have time to say it, but she was right. basically going to say like, there's another copy of this. Right. Yeah. So her, her stupidity, like her failure was she didn't establish extremely early, like 
don't if you kill me, the toxicology report gets out. Right. Right. Um, which is you did this. You did this. Uh, that was a funny reveal. Um, I don't. I just honestly don't remember that part that she says, like top drawer or whatever. Yeah, but I believe you. She says something like that. All right. Okay. Moving solved on. Solve the mystery live. I, 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 yeah. We. <laughs> I hope. I hope everybody enjoyed us figuring out the plot to a movie uh-huh. over a course of a fifteen-minute part of this conversation. But we did it, guys. I think we solved knives out. Okay. So uh, we're supposed to do. Best parts. Best part of the movie. So I think the donut whole speech is up there for <clears> me. Yeah, the finale's great. Just that whole segment. The whole finale. Putting it all together. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Um, let's see. I think the part um, when once we learn the truth of how Harlan died, mm-hmm. and then just the sequence that follows with Marta leaving and coming back, to the mm-hmm. family house. Mm-hmm. I just loved that entire sequence, right? Yeah. Um, of her having to basically cover her tracks and go down the stairs and mm-hmm. like be seen, you know, like or actually be wait. seen by the grandmother. Yeah, I'm, I'm who's doing then it. Like ransom, you're back, right? Right. right Which right. turned out to, to be, be a major a, tell, a, a, a yeah, big yeah. clue. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, something that I was really hoping uh, that I really liked. Uh, but they never revisited in a way that I thought would be helpful was when the initial interviews are happening at the beginning of the film and everybody's sort of revealing why they have a motive to kill Harlan mm-hmm. and Daniel Craig's character like hits a key on the piano. Mm-hmm. I was like, why, why is he that doing mean? that? Yeah. And they never revisit it. But I actually yeah. was thinking that um, I, I wondered because those conversations were being recorded I was like, is that his like little auditory cue for himself mm-hmm. to say like, I know that they are lying right now, mm. right? Right. Um, so like when he listens back to the tape, he can remember like, ah, yes, I recall that that I found that to be untruthful. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but at any rate, like I liked, but I liked that whole sequence anyway with the piano key, with sort of the mystery of like who is that guy. Um, so is that what it was that it was the as soon as the person told a lie, he hit the that's key? how I read the scene. I, 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 it was like, I, I could see that. It also seemed to me like it was a way of him communicating to the police department. Mm-hmm. Like Lakeith Stanfield. I remember at like the second time, maybe he did it. He would be like, right, right. Mm-hmm. He, like he hit the key and then the police, the police detective, it was like a message to him to be like, all right, I need to ask you this other question. Oh too. yeah, possibly. Um, like almost like a get on with it, right? Cue, right? Um, but anyway, it could have also just been him being sitting there, being like, "I'm bored with what's right. happening right now." Right. right. Um, yeah, that was all great. I mean, I think this is a movie fueled by reveals, and yeah. I just generally liked every big reveal. Like, yeah. I liked the reveal of, um, you know, uh, how Harlan actually died. Yep. I liked the reveal of that he had left everything to her, not yes, the family. That was a great sequence. Um, yeah. The argument, you know, that ensues and everything. Yeah. Them following her out into the driveway. I like the reveal that uh, that Michael Shannon's character is not such a good guy after all when he comes through the down the hall to yeah. threaten her. Yeah. Um, to threaten Martha. With like his cane on the floor. Like, yeah. 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 And of course, yeah. Finally, like the reveal of that—that that ransom is actually basically the villain. Yep. Of the movie. Yep. All good stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. I loved the sequence. Uh, I thought it was really a sequence. I thought was really funny. Was when Benoit asks Marta to walk the grounds with him during mm-hmm. daylight, mm-hmm. and she like basically has to pretend like she doesn't know anything, even though she's of course walking the very path that she walked to like cover up her own mm-hmm. actions in the, in the death of Harlan. And so at one point, like the dog brings the piece of like uh, scaffolding that fell off of the house to her. Mm-hmm. And she, like she takes it and just like throws it as yep. far away as she yep. can. Right. And the dog, of course, like playing brings a game of fetch brings it back. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Just like, I thought that was really cleverly done and really yeah, funny. That was good. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, I thought it was just like consistently a funny, like 
tightly written, well-acted thing. And even though, to your point, some of the characters really turn out to be more ornamental than they are critical, um, they're still very, like, it's still characters who have great lines and great delivery, Mm -hmm. and it's a flavor that I want in the film. It just doesn't play as critical a role as I think we imagined they might. Yeah, I will also say, even um, even though a lot of them weren't really very critical... I did quite enjoy just the uh, sort of un... What's the word I'm looking for? Like, a lot of the cast members, the actors were playing characters that were really... Um, it's like was the opposite of typecast. Playing against Playing, playing against, against type. type. That's what I'm looking for, yeah. They were playing against type. Like, you know, like Chris Evans who's known for Captain, Captain America. America and, right. he's, and he's... Like, in Snowpiercer, he's also a... Captain America-esque person, right. you know. Um, Who eats babies. I also saw him in uh, in that movie, I forget what it's called, but it, there's a movie where he's like the good-natured uncle of this like gifted girl who's like really good at math. It's like this small movie he was okay. in. Yep. But, but he was like, again, he was just like this really good, good guy, guy, you know. Yeah. Um, and in this one, he's just this like smart-alecky, just yeah. like, you know, spoiled brat guy right and and he played that really well i think like tony collette is normally really serious characters from right. what i've seen her well in. like you saw hereditary last yeah, year right like, yeah where she's i feel you like know, she does a lot of horror right yeah yeah well she can do it well she's got a very expressive face yeah for it and but in this she's like you know this kind of like lighthead you know airheaded sort of uh, she's trying to be like a lifestyle maven like a like a goop like, like Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow's like lifestyle brand kind of thing, but yeah, but I felt like even more like even sort of dialed up the ditziness, right? Uh, it's sort of like I want to be a lifestyle brand, but I have no qualifications at yeah. all, right? Um, and uh, let's see, Michael Shannon, kind of like a little more, you know, obviously physically feeble, but he right. just he just was playing more of like a kind of a. A pathetic person like a beta he, right yeah, yeah. then than he normally does um and i mean of course daniel craig the crazy right. southern <laughs> accent yeah. yeah although i had forgot i totally forgot that in logan lucky he was also had a southern accent was his name joey bang yeah like i don't remember but delightful but it was i mean all of the i know i think all those actors did a great job in those roles yeah um so that was fun just to see you know, just to see familiar faces doing unfamiliar things. Right. And even like Anna de Armas, right, who plays Marta, mm-hmm. right? I haven't seen a lot of the things that she's been in, but for example, she's going to be in the next Bond movie. Right. And she looks and like she's a like, really, yeah. hot, you know, like just a beautiful starlet kind mm-hmm. of look, right? And in this movie, she's wearing like frumpy sweaters and like mom yeah. jeans and and Keds or whatever, right? Yeah, and yeah. it's like they're, everybody gets to sort of play somebody they normally don't get asked play yeah for the most part right and so i think that yes i agree that and they all obviously like it you mm-hmm. know what i mean like mm-hmm. they're just really right. enjoying having themselves a good time. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean the the only ones that i feel like weren't extremely against type like lakeith stanfield uh played lakeith stanfield yeah basically he kind of had a lakeith stanfield kind of feel right. to him like very um, likable right Mm-hmm. Um, is kind of the best proxy for the audience, right? Yeah, yeah. He's he's not, well, I think definitely, because he's not, you know, a member of the family who are obviously right. all tainted. And, and he's, he's and he's like, he's smart. He's not like an incompetent detective. Right. But he's just sort of like, let's get on with it. Let's just follow the most obvious clues to where right. they lead. Right, right. Um, Whereas Benoit Blanc is, you know, the sort of like leave no stone unturned right. uh, angle of yeah, he's far thinking too, of he's sort of far audience. too eccentric to be like an audience avatar. Whereas mm-hmm. Stanfield's sort of like, I'm just going to ask practical questions, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And um, I like sort of practical sympathies too, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, so as an example, like, and I think we as an audience, and also this is part of the marketing, right? Like, we don't consider. Marta to be a critical character, right? right? right. Like the marketing has trained us to think like, think about all these stars in this Mm -hmm. movie, right? Mm -hmm. And when 
Benoit wants to interview Marta initially, um, Lakeith Stanfield's character, Lieutenant Elliot, is like, you know, she's just the nurse. Right. Like, leave her alone. Right. And Blanc is like, no, she actually, I believe, has a critical role to play in this. And so I'm going to interview her. But, like, I think Stanfield's sort of natural inclination is our inclination as an audience, which is like, okay, like, she's not one of these juicy parts. Yeah. So she can't have that much of a role to play in this. Now, the movie, I think, opens with her, my recollection is. I think, like, the very first shot in the film is her getting up in the morning. Sounds right. Right? Yeah, probably. And so um, my thinking, so it's sort of like immediately I'm off guard a little, like I'm sort of on guard, I guess, a little bit, Mm -hmm. because I'm like, wait a second. Right? This is not... Why is it focusing on her? Like, you immediately know that she's more important than maybe the marketing led on. Yeah. Right? But... I also liked uh, um, a a thing the movie did, which I felt like was like a little bit of a commentary on movies like this. Yeah. Which is when it's early in the movie when Blanc is revealing, you know, he's sort of like, she was obviously lying about this. And so, so she had this reason and, and, you know, he, he, he's sort of like calls out the evidence for this affair that's happening. Mm -hmm. He mentions the thing about, the daughter, you know, the daughter's tuition being double paid. Um, and each one that he brings up, Stanfield's character is like, yeah, but I mean, that's pretty weak motivation for like a murder. Right. You know? And he's like, you're right. You're right. That's like not enough to, you know? Um, but he's like, but there's more to this story, you know? But it's sort of like how in a, in a typical movie like this, you'd have characters with situations like this. Yeah. And you'd be like, would a person kill someone because of that you know like like that happens all the time yeah people have affairs and they get exposed they don't murder someone you know or people get fired and told they can't take over the company they don't murder the person right um and and so i just liked that little that little like sort of back and forth of him revealing this thing as a way of sort of like revealing it to the audience yeah but then the detective being like yeah but that's that's one of the things he's sort of like not surprised by it. He's like, yeah, I didn't think of that, but also I don't feel like that's also not the answer. Right. Um, yeah, that's one of the things I really liked about the movie. You know, we've already commented how they do the reveal like a third of the way through. And I feel like the reveal comes at the absolute like correct moment Mm -hmm. in the movie, because I think we as audience members were following all these trains of thought as far as like why all these folks would be displeased with Harlan. Mm -hmm. But it's like, but it also doesn't seem like they're the murderer, you know? Yeah, and the yeah. movie's like, yeah, I can't play out this mystery right. any longer. And I also, need to tell you now because otherwise I'm going to be giving you something unsatisfying. No, right? totally. And the movie has also um, made it clear that this that this nurse is more of an important character than you were maybe expecting. Right. So it's like if it went on too much longer, you'd be like, it's probably the nurse. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Right. You'd be like, she's the one that it's presenting as like she had a good relationship with him. So she's the one it would be most surprising if it were yeah. her. And so the movie's like, okay, yeah, it was the nurse, but here's the <laughs> thing, you know? Right. Right. She's not a killer. You yeah. know, it's not like this dark secret. It's this. I remember exactly having that, tr- that sort of line of thinking where it's sort of like as it's going through alibis and like the the physical space of the house, right? Mm-hmm. Who was what, who was where, when mm-hmm. I'm sort of like, wait, why is nobody looking at Marta? She's right. obviously the one up in the room with him. Exactly. Yeah. Like right before he dies, she's like the last person to have seen him alive mm-hmm. before, you know, like how is this not, how is she not like the prime suspect in all of this? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then it felt like precisely at that moment, the movie was like, okay, here's what happened up in the attic. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, yeah. um, and so I, it, that was something I felt like the filmmaker, it was almost like, you know, Johnson was like watching me watch the movie mm-hmm. and he's like, right now, I have to do yeah. it right now or else he's going to get frustrated. I'm going to let this. you in on, yeah, right. on what actually happened, but there's plenty more yeah. behind the Which curtain. is like, and the movie knows this, right? Cause yep. they, they, and so I, I just felt like it was a very inventive, thoughtful way to do it. And it came at exactly the right time. Agreed. Any other highlights, any other best parts of the movie? That's quite a few we've covered. Uh, I don't know. For some reason, I just loved that Ransom gives Marta like two bowls of chili <laughs> and then asks her to tell a lie. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like there's just something really like funny about 
There is. That that brings us to something I wanted to mention. I don't think it quite fits under fix the movie because it's not really a flaw, but a a thing in this movie that actually reminds me a little bit of a thing in Last Jedi that Uh I know some people had an issue with was how, you know, in Last Jedi... uh, I think it's called the Holdo Maneuver. Yeah. Is when she turns the ship around and goes light speed through the Star Destroyer. Right, when Laura Dern does that, yeah. And it's one of those things where apparently some people don't have any issues with that. But I, I do, I kind of sympathize with people who felt that was sort of a, like, game-changing thing to introduce. Where you're like, if that's a thing, they have light speed technology in this universe. Mm-hmm. Why don't they use that more often? Right. You know, like, it's like, I know that you wouldn't just fly one of these giant ships through another ship all the time because it's right. massive expense. But like, can't you just build just boxes that you can just send them into warp drive and they're just like much more effective than any other weapon you have. Right. Um, it just kind of opens up all these questions. Right. right? Yeah, of like, yeah. if that's possible, dot, 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 question mark, question mark, question mark. And so for in this movie, I felt similarly to the mechanic of like, she throws up when she tells a lie. Yeah. Because even when he first introduces it, he like asks her a couple questions and then they're like, leave her alone. And he's like, all right, all right, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more later. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, but you have a source of guaranteed accurate information. Right. It just seems like you could get the full truth very quickly, <laughs> right. you know? Right. Um, well, if you fundamentally, you know, it, I've definitely been in situations where I will do something wrong. And then somebody will say to me, like, look, if you didn't know, you should have just asked. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, you don't understand. I was 100% confident that I knew. Right. 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 Um, like, I didn't occur to me to ask because I was so sure of the truth, yeah. like, that it wasn't even like, oh, I should confirm this. I was like, no, I didn't even, like, wasn't even a thing. That- yeah. No. And I think that's right. I think, I think what you're saying gets at the, the, a, a pretty satisfying um, response to my, objection i guess or my gripe which is that she was just the nurse it's not like anybody expected that she had all the information about what actually happened right so um so that does make sense and the one person who did kind of exploit it was the person who did know that she knew and that was chris evans right because yes if you believe ransom everybody's testimonial she leaves and then people see Harlan alive, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, so obviously not her, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, and because she wasn't there, she can't know who did it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like from Benoit Blanc's perspective, he's like, yeah, you might be able to give me some flavor of what happened earlier in the evening, yeah. but like you obviously don't know what happened because you left. Everybody saw you leave. Yeah. Right? So he basically just uses her to confirm a couple of the suspicions he had about, about what the happens affair in, and stuff. Yeah, right? that's right. Um, and then he's like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll take it easy on this poor girl. Right. Like, not knowing he's talking to the person who knows everything that happened. Right. Except she doesn't actually know everything that happened. Right. So, um, but yeah, anyway, uh, none of that changes the fact that I feel like there were probably more places in the movie where it would have made sense to just be like, ask true the, or false, Marta. Right. Ask the person who can't lie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who, who almost assuredly knows the truth and can't lie about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, w- I was wondering if the movie was going to reveal that to be a ruse. Yeah, yeah, same. At least certainly earlier on. Yeah. Um, okay, but how about fix the movie? Are there any things you actually would do to fix the movie? Aside from the laundromat scene where you and I both think, don't think Fran had a plan, I feel like it would have been cool if she did. Um, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe just have spelled that out a little bit more clearly. Right. Yeah. Um. I feel like the uh, opening uh, is very solid and like I'm just compelled immediately to keep watching. Mm-hmm. I feel like the finale in the library is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the final shot of the, fi- of the film, which is like my house, my, my house, rules. my rules. Yeah. Yeah. Right. My co- was it my, my coffee, my house, my rules something or like something that. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, very good. Uh, and then the acting's terrific. Um, I think for some, I think something that I'm on board with that feels like maybe you and others are, are less on board with is Ryan Johnson writes all of his movies, mm-hmm. right? And there's something about 
the writing, like the literal dialogue. I think it's good. I think the writing is good, is yeah. Good, but it's a, like a very specific kind of dialogue. Like to, to the same thing you said about Last Jedi, I was like, this doesn't feel like generic Star Wars dialogue. Yeah, yeah. This feels like something different. Mm-hmm. And it feels, I mean, maybe quite transparently like Ryan Johnson dialogue, right? right? right. Um, and so, and so it really worked for me mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, but I could totally see if somebody felt like it was too cute. Yeah. No, I think for this movie, it, it suited it very well. Um, funny about the first, you know, scene of the movie, the first, whatever, 20 minutes, whatever it is, where they're interviewing all the characters and yeah. stuff. Um, did you listen to the director's cut with Ryan Johnson on this? Uh, I may have. He he talked about how um, in the script that every time they tried to get feedback, the consistent feedback was like the first, you know, 20, 30 minutes are a mess. Mm-hmm. Like you need to fix this. Mm-hmm. And he said that he just kept getting that. And they tried to like sort of tweak it, but mm-hmm. that they basically couldn't get it to a state that they would get good feedback on. Yeah. And he was like, I ultimately just had to say it will, it will work better when you actually see it on screen um, like it doesn't read very well. It's very oh, jarring. Oh, he was getting feedback it. on the writing of the screenplay. Yes, oh, yes, I see, I see. Yes, okay. yes. Uh, that, that the first, you know, whatever, 30 pages or whatever it is were just a mess. Because it's like characters finishing each other's sentences asynchronously and stuff well, like that, I think right? it's also that it just keeps cutting between characters that when you're reading it, yeah, you you don't really have it like all in your head very the clearly yet. are difficult, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but he's like, but when... But when you are seeing people's faces and you know these, like these are really familiar faces and yeah. you're going to see them and you're going to instantly like remember who's what. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was just talking about how that's like a really nervous place to be as a filmmaker. Where, oh, interesting. Because you never want to make the excuse, oh, it'll work on screen. Right. Because it's always, it's easy to make that excuse whenever things a thing isn't actually working in the script. Yeah, and yeah. You just be like, ah, it'll work when we actually film it. And but it, because he is the writer and the uh-huh. director, he, I'm sure, w- when writing the screenplay, <laughs> like, for example, in that whole opening set of interrogations, right, like, the way he frames people and with the camera, mm-hmm. like, and the fact that certain people will be, um, he'll do lots of, lots of matches on action where, uh, a character will say something to detective Blanc and Blanc will say something back to them. And the answer to that question will be given by a different character. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you have to, you, but you can in your mind sort of, you're thinking spatially and right. you're like, yes, I remember, how we got to this question and and I get that he's asking the same question of a different person. And so we're getting a different person's perspective, but just the way spatially he arranges things, it allows you to sort of keep track of everything much more easily. And so I totally get that. He's like, but look, I really, really know how I'm going to shoot it. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot, you know, it's funny. I was looking at, you know, a lot of my favorite movies uh, this year and lots of years. And, so many writer directors mm-hmm. on the list here, like in my t- sort of top movies here, Parasite, mm-hmm. writer director, Marriage Story, writer director, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, writer director, Knives Out, writer director. Uh, did James Gray write Ad Astra? I think so. so but I'm a, not sure. I'm not and sure. so, you know what I mean? There's just like, um, and then the farewell, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, there's just so many movies, like all these movies in my top 10, uh, Jojo rabbit, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, these are all like, Oh, these are all directors who knew what they wanted to say and how they wanted to say it, which is why the whole thing hangs together so well. Right. Versus when you've got, it, it just seems like, Oh, the likelihood of like a quality coherent film seems to go up when, the writer when the writer directs it too, or when the director writes it, maybe it's, it's better certainly yeah. It, there's definitely a correlation there. I think it's not always true because Lucy in the Sky exists, <laughs> which you which I did for not some reason really didn't like. Which I did not enjoy, but other but you get my point, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, that's really fascinating that people were telling him it was a mess, 
And he's well, like, yeah, I mean, I just think it's, it's, it was worth noting because you actually just named it as one of your sort of the highlights of the movie yeah, for you. I really, cause it did a great job establishing character. It was mm-hmm. funny. It was compellingly shot. Right. Yeah. It, like the exact sort of way of cutting it together that I just described. Right. Was something that mm-hmm. I found really delightful. Yeah. Um, but, and it, and it makes sense that, that it, you know, that he was, that he did find himself in that place where it's just going to work in, you know, film form. Right. It doesn't really, it's, it is hard to follow if you just read it. Right. You know, but, um, but that's why we made a movie of it instead of right. making instead it of a book. It, instead right? of being a book. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I think, so we didn't really have anything for fix the movie. You said other than kind of flesh out that. Yeah, one there's scene a there's that more. maybe one or two little plot things that probably do make sense, and maybe just need to telegraph a little bit more why they make sense. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm tempted to say I would have liked for the, all the supporting characters to have had more to do, mm-hmm. but it probably just would have been forced. You know, I don't know. Right. Like giving characters something to do is always a bit of a. Uh, risk yeah when you realize by the end of the film and i think the library scene encapsulates this perfectly it's like this is a movie about three people mm-hmm. you know what i mean like or, well and a fourth a dead person right yeah. like but it's like this is a movie about the three leads that you called out in the very beginning mm-hmm. right one is like the the per, there's a person with a secret another person with a secret right and, and a detective. And a detective. And that's it. Yep. Right? Everybody else is just sort of like... Following or... Living not. their own dumb lives. Right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I think that covers it. Are we going to beam it up? I would. Have fun in space, dude. Yeah. It doesn't all have to be sad, pensive stuff. No. I... I I feel like back when we started with the premise of like, let's just give a star... To a movie, mm-hmm. this really we started with like I, I suggested we do it like Michelin stars, where like mm-hmm. a star means truly exceptional. Right. I think we've it's relaxed a bit since we're now talking about beaming something into space, and we just want to give the astronaut stuff to watch. Right. You know. Um. So I feel like I wouldn't have given it a star like a Michelin star, mm-hmm. but I do think it's worth beaming for our astronaut because it's certainly one of the strongest ones I feel like this our space Verizon bill is going to be quite high this year I feel like we're saying yes a lot well, well you feel that way because we're saying yes a lot to stuff in these last final months that's true year. we said no for the first like seven or eight months of the year yeah that's right yeah because all those movies were trash because, well we were looking at your list earlier of this sort of ranked list for the year and all the stuff earlier in the year is all kind of hanging out in the lower half of the list. Mostly, you know? mostly not great. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would, I Except would zap for John Wick. I would zap it to him. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, so we're doing it. All right, let's do it. Beam it up. There, we did it. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan. I'm Adam. Bye. Bye. Bye.